to the preaching and teaching ministry of Marion Oaks Assembly of God in Ocala, Florida. We invite you to open your Bible as we join Pastor Tim McIntyre for today's message for Bible study. Tonight we're going to continue our Bible study series on answering tough questions. And tonight the title is, Why Do Bad Things Happen to Good People? That is what I would think is one of the top several questions that people ask and that unbelievers often use as a defense to say, this is why I don't believe in God. That there really is an all-powerful, loving God then why is it that bad things happen to good people? What are some examples of bad things that happen to good people? Sickness. What else? Berlin. Well, that's the next question. What is... (laughs) Okay, well, let's go ahead and deal with that. We say bad things happen to good people. What do we mean by good people? How many of you are good people? Nobody raised their hands. You're like, this is a trick question, isn't it? (laughs) John says he's a good person. Let me put it. How many of you are trying to be good people? I hope all you put your hands, right? Yeah. We're trying. We know we're not perfect, right? Uh, I do know that there's a, I I forget which which one of some famous preacher once said, um, you know, the question is kind of meaningless. Why do bad things happen to good people? Because there are no good people. (laughs) I mean, if you go with the ultimate meaning of good, we all have faults and failures. The only good person was Jesus Christ, okay? But I think we understand by that question, what we're saying is that for people that really try to do the right thing, there are many times that they suffer in some way that seems to be far outweigh any negative something in their life. We all make mistakes. We all fail. We all sin. But yet there come into our lives certain things like, I really don't deserve this. You know, I I really don't think I do. And that's what we mean when we talk about why do bad things happen to good people. We're actually talking about the idea of suffering. So we could actually reword that question and say, why does suffering come to people who don't seem to deserve it? Why does suffering come to people who don't seem to deserve it? All right? And so we're going to talk about a couple of different topics along that theme tonight. And the first one is the source of suffering. What is the source of suffering in this world? I heard evil and I heard sin. Both those things are true. Yeah, sin. Sin is the ultimate source of suffering, okay? Um, on your note sheet, number one there, God created everything good. He created everything good. When we look at Genesis 1, 1 to 30, we're not going to read the whole passage. Six times when God is creating the earth, he pauses and it says that he said it was good, basically at the end of each of the first six days. But then at the end of the full week, in verse 31, it says, And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. So God created the whole world, everything that's in it, and everything outside the world, the universe. It was good. The second point under this, the source of suffering, is that sin, suffering, and death are a result of the fall of man. Now, if somebody who wasn't a Christian didn't know anything about the Bible, say, what do you mean by the fall of man? Somebody trip? What? You know, but theologically, the fall of man means when Adam and Eve chose 
to rebel against God, go their own way, do their own thing, and it brought sin into the world. That's what Romans 5.12 says. Sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. That verse in particular talks about mankind, but we know also from studying Scripture that sin didn't just affect mankind. It affected the whole world. In fact, there's another passage. I should have looked it up and put it in here in Romans where Paul talks about that all of creation groans waiting to be redeemed, not saved in the sense of saved from sins, but to have the curse of sin lifted. When we go back to the original story, when um, when the God's judgment, punishment was meted out upon Adam and Eve. You know, there are consequences for the man. There are consequences for the woman. And there are consequences for this world. And so um, sin, suffering, and death are the result of the fall of man. I I came across this illustration. I thought it was pretty good. If you see a house, if you drive around anywhere, you probably will, that's kind of decaying, falling apart, paints peeling off, you know, siding's falling off, the porch is kind of half there, half not, do you blame the builder? Uh, not unless they just finished building it last week, but, you know, you know, do you blame the neighborhood association if they're doing all they can? Who do you blame? The homeowner, right? Yeah. And so sin is what's caused the suffering, the death. It's not God himself. And that leads us to the third point. I'm moving kind of fast on this because I want to spend more time on the rest of it. The third one is that God intervenes in our lives in many positive ways, but he still allows suffering to happen. I mean, God answers prayer. God treats us well. God blesses us. But he still allows suffering to happen even in the lives of his children, even in the lives of the people he loves so much, which, according to God's word, God loves everybody tremendously, enough to send Jesus to die for them. But even for those who have surrendered their lives to him and say, yes, I'm going to serve you, God, I'm going to obey you, I'm going to, and trying their best to do it, he still allows suffering. And the big question is, why? <laughs> and again, that's what we're going to talk about next week. Okay? Next week, we're going to talk about why does God allow evil? If God is all good and all powerful, why is there evil and suffering in the world? Um, why, you know, if we say, oh yeah, you came in because of sin, why doesn't he just get rid of it? All right? And if he doesn't get rid of it, why doesn't he at least limit it? Or why doesn't he let it just fall on people that aren't choosing to follow him? Because <laughs> you know? they deserve it, but we don't. Um, and the question sometimes comes up, why did he even create a world where sin and evil was possible? And we're going to deal with all those sub-questions next week. Did you want to say something, Vita? Yeah, we're not going to dig deeply into that topic today because we're going to deal with it next week. But what do you want to say? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jesus is the perfect example of a good person who suffered. Yeah. And not just with his death on the cross. Yeah. That is true. So that's the source of suffering. It all goes back to the fall of man. And the fact that God has not put an end to it yet. He will. We'll come back to that by the time we get to the end of our lesson tonight. But that's the source. But what are the causes of suffering? The causes of suffering. You know, our title is, Why Do Bad Things Happen to good people, and we did mention that there are no truly good people. Um, you might would agree with me, you might not, but I'd be the first one to admit that I deserve a whole lot worse than I get. You know? Biblically speaking, that's true. My wife and I kind of have this, um, 
kind of this joke between the two of us, you know, and um, I forget, way back when we were first married, I can't remember the whole conversation, but something about, um, you know, getting what we deserve or something like that, and I turned to her, I said, well, you deserve hell, you know, we were, just, we were in a good mood, we weren't having an argument, nothing, you know, and uh, I said, biblically speaking, you deserve hell, and so do I, so do I, you know, because of our sins, and um, so, so now, if I'll say something like, well, I just want to treat you, I want to treat you, you know, the way you deserve, you deserve. So she goes, well, I know what you think, you think I deserve hell. So anyway, but literally that is true. Because of our sin and rebellion against God, we deserve hell. We all deserve worse than we get. Um, I, I, I've mentioned so many times in different contexts that we are so blessed you know, living in living where we live in this country at this time of history, you know, the poorest people in America are, for the most part, are much better off than most of the people around the world or most of the people that have lived throughout history. We are so blessed. And it's all because of God's mercy and grace. You know, it's not a strictly defi- strict definition, but I like to define God's mercy is when God doesn't give us what we do deserve, and his grace is when he does give us what we don't deserve, you know. Uh, in his mercy, he doesn't give us the punishment and the consequences, full consequences that we deserve. But in his grace, he gives us salvation and blessings far beyond what we do deserve. So the question, why do we serve? Why do we suffer even when we try to do good? I remember back um, 20-something years ago uh, when we were pastoring in Memphis, Tennessee, and this lady started coming to our church, and she loved the Lord so much. And she was married to a guy who was a devout atheist. And we had the privilege of eating in their home, developing a relationship. Really nice guy. You know, he wasn't one of these that was angry at Christians and wanted to battle them. He just didn't believe in God. And we had some really good conversations, and we prayed um, that he would come to know the Lord. I don't know whether he ever did or not. He was an older man. But his wife came down with cancer. And she died a horrific death because of the cancer. We were actually in the room when she died. And he basically stated that that's one of the reasons why he could not believe in a God. Because his wife claimed to love God so much. And he let her go through that over a period of time and end her life that way. We maintained that relationship. We'd still call him, talk to him. We even did that for a while after we moved here. I'm sure he's gone now because he was like in his 80s, uh, you know, 10, 15 years ago. Um, I hope he gave his heart to the Lord before then. But that is a big deal. You know, that is a big deal. We see people in the Bible who really tried to live for God, but they suffered. What are some examples of people in the Bible that really tried to do the right thing and they suffered? Job is the biggest example, right? Who else? John the Baptist, yeah. Who else? Jeremiah. Yeah, the harder he preached God's word, the more people came in. That's true of a lot of prophets, but Jeremiah is one of the best examples. How about David? Now, David had his faults, but early on he was trying to serve God. God called him, and he was on the run. You know, you read through it in the Bible, and it says, oh, yeah, Saul was chasing him. That probably lasted. It lasted 20 years he was on the roll, well, uh, on the run from Saul. A lot of great examples. And not only that, but there's inconsistency. By inconsistency, it just seems like some people suffer a whole lot more than others. One of, my, one of the greatest examples I like to refer to is in Acts chapter 12. It's not on your note sheet, but you can write it if you want. Acts chapter 12 opens up by saying King Herod killed the apostle James. That was John's brother. 
No real explanation, just said, boom, he put him to, he put him to death. And then it said that the people, as far as the religious leaders and stuff, were so excited about what he did that he arrested Peter and planned to do the exact same thing. But when you read the rest of the story, God delivered Peter. Why did he deliver Peter and not James? You know, I mean, God has his reasons, don't know for sure. I personally believe it doesn't mean that he liked Peter better than James. It's just he had different plans and purposes for each one. But yet, there is a difference, isn't there? I mean, James put to death, Peter was delivered. Yeah, Vita? Yeah, he had a different plan for him. And the same thing is true for us that there are some of us in this room that have probably suffered a whole lot more than others. We look to the future, there may be some of us in this room that will suffer a lot more than others. It's like, well, why? Well, that's what we're getting into. So why? Why? What are the causes of suffering? On your note sheet, the first one is this. We live in a fallen world. We said that suffering came as a result of sin and its effect on the world, and we live in that world. Okay? So we can get out of the suffering when we go to heaven. All right? At this point, anyway. But since suffering is caused by sin, um, I'm sorry, suffering is caused by sin, but it comes from many secondary sources that have nothing to do with our sin. We'll talk about our sin in a little bit, okay? But if we are trying to be a good person, apart from any suffering that may come because of our own sin, we can suffer because of other reasons. Uh, i got a list here for you. Letter A, uh, it's because we are born with inherent weaknesses in our nature and in our bodies. I'm not going to ask people to raise their hands because maybe certain situations you really don't want to confess to or have revealed, but some of you may have been born with a certain weakness in your body. You know, we've, you've heard of birth defects. You've heard of, you know, conditions that people are born with. Um, some are treatable. Some can be corrected almost immediately. Some people have to live with their whole lives, various types of handicaps. And that's thinking of specifically physical things, and that is a certain means of suffering. But the same thing is, can be true emotionally. The same thing can be true with the things that we wrestle with in our personalities. I, I, I believe that that's part of why different people are tempted with different types of sin. You know, there may be certain people that are really tempted to give themselves over to alcohol and just give basically abandon themselves to that kind of a lifestyle, become an alcoholic. It really messes with their lives. That's never been a temptation for me. There are some people, this is probably the, one of the biggest ones for most people, that really struggle with lust, and others maybe not so much. You know, people struggle, you know, and this has become such a big thing in our culture, is, is sexual orientation, all that kind of stuff. And, and the Bible makes it very clear that God created male and female, and that's the way they're supposed to stay, you know? But there is a very real thing about homosexuality and stuff, and it is very true that some people have those tendencies and may even be born with those tendencies, but it's part of the fallenness, okay? All of us have to wrestle with different things. We just have to say, what in God's word says this is sin and this is not, whether it's an attitude, an action, a lifestyle, or whatever, and that's the area I've got to deal with. I heard somebody once explain it this way. You know, sometimes people say, well... I know that that's not really a good thing, or the Bible says it's not a good thing, but I can't help it because I was born that way. And they say, well, that's why we got to be born again. Because <laughs> we need things changed. Vita, were you going to say something? That is true. 
with most everything I mentioned, there is a free will aspect to it. But what I'm saying is that there are certain things that people struggle with that it's a big deal, and it is a suffering. Even if they choose to do the right thing, there's an aspect of suffering to that. Um, when you said, you know, the, the lifestyle thing is a free will. If someone's born with a birth defect, that's not the free will. They're born that way. If they're born with some kind of physical problem or or some mental um, deficiency or People can even have emotional deficiencies and things like that, you know. It's all a result of the fall, okay? So we're born with inherent weaknesses in our nature and in our body. So some of our suffering comes from that. Uh, letter B, we suffer because of someone else's sin or poor choices. We may have done nothing wrong, but somebody else around us, or maybe not around us, above us in the chain of command or whatever, sinned or made a very bad choice and we're suffering. Can you think of any examples? Don't name names, but I'm just saying, can you think of any examples how someone might suffer because somebody else sinned or made a bad choice? Divorce. Mm -hmm. People born to, uh, I'm sorry, children born to people that are addicted to drugs and have the ongoing effects in their bodies. Uh Uh-huh. How about someone who's killed by a drunk driver? Yeah, Chris? Okay. <laughs> you know, we can talk about politicians on both sides of the aisle and all kinds of stuff. Choices that they make and we suffer, right? <laughs> okay. Can you think of any other examples of somebody else sinning or making poor choices and it causes other people to suffer? Lynn? Yeah, somebody lie about you and the people believe it. Nathel? Huh? Abortion, yeah. I mean, the world is full of examples like that. We could make a whole list just of our lives, how we might have suffered because of something somebody else did, you know? Um, and sometimes it's not even because somebody deliberately did something wrong. They just did something stupid, you know? Um, all right, so uh, number C, letter C. We suffer because of a consequence of something in nature, in nature, we suffer because of a consequence of something in nature. I know that's a little bit more vague, but can you think of an example of how we might suffer because of something that happens in nature? Because nature was affected by the fall. Hurricanes, any natural disaster, hurricanes, typhoons, tornadoes, floods, bad storms, all that kind of stuff. Okay. What? Eating meat? God said people can eat meat, Vita. All right. Yeah? You know, what'd you say? COVID. Yeah. Sicknesses and diseases, viruses. Yeah. How about dangerous animals? People suffer because they're bit by a venomous snake, something like that. You know? How about certain types of plants? Yeah, I'll tell you what, I suffered one time when I lived in Arizona, went on a hike, and I backed into a cactus. True story. I was picking spines out of the back of my leg and my backside for a while, and it was suffering. Yeah. Poison ivy, poison oak. Yep. What did you say, Carlton? Poisonous mushrooms. Yeah. All kinds of poisons. So we suffer because of a consequence of something in nature. Yeah. Lynn? Yeah. Anything that has to do with people, maybe not the nature part, but it has to do with our sinful flesh. Exactly. Believers, non-believers, it doesn't matter. That's right. And then letter D, 
We also suffer because of spiritual attacks. We have an enemy. John 10.10, Jesus said the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Those are three good words for suffering. If somebody steals from you, kills you, tries to, tries to destroy you, that's suffering. But Jesus said, I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. 1 Peter 5.8, Peter says, Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. How does spiritual attack manifest itself in suffering in our lives? What are some examples of some suffering that we go through that's a result of spiritual attack? Apart from other people or us making stupid mistakes. Depression. Depression, yeah. Chris? Yeah, Paul talks about the armor of God, and he talks about the enemy doing fiery darts, which is, has to do with our thought processes. Yeah? Yeah? Anything else? How about persecution? Anytime the enemy stirs people up to persecute his people. All right, that's suffering. People so much even to death, and it's a spiritual thing. All right. There's a number of physical and mental difficulties. We can even see the example in the stories of Jesus' life. There were times that he healed people that it was just sickness. But there are other times that they were sick, but it was a result of a spiritual thing. A demon was involved. You know, modern man tries to, uh, that was just mythology, and that was their way of understanding and experiencing it. But the Bible makes it clear there are spiritual forces at work that can cause things to happen. doesn't need to be anything that we need to be concerned about. As believers, I mean, not saying the devil can't try to do something against us. He can, but we have the ultimate victory in Jesus Christ. Yeah. In fact, Jesus has defeated the enemy, and the complete destruction will come soon. When Jesus was here on earth, that's what he came to do. Acts 10.38 says, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. 1 John 3.8 says, The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Okay? So, uh, one source or one cause of suffering is we live in a fallen world. The second one we don't want to admit is that God allows us to experience the consequences of our choices. Okay? Sometimes we get what's coming to us. We reap what we sow. Two different kinds of consequences. Letter A, the consequences of our sin. All the things we already talked about. If we give ourselves over to sin, we are involved in sin, there will be consequences. You know, the scripture we often use to talk to people about salvation because it's totally appropriate is that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We often think of that as the ultimate, that because we're sinners, if we don't accept Jesus as our Savior, we will one day physically die and be spiritually dead, separated from God, going to hell. But I think that there's a deeper principle there. Anytime we give ourselves over to sin, there is an aspect, some kind of something of death that affects us. If we lie to our spouse and they find out, we can be forgiven by God and by them, but it hurts that relationship. There's a, an aspect of death. Not that it kills that relationship, there's no hope, but there's, a, there's, there's something negative. There's something that causes that relationship to die just a little bit. And I think that's true of all sin. So the consequences of our sin? Yeah, a death of trust. Mm-hmm, that kind of thing. All right. Now, does God forgive sins? Sure. The Bible says anytime we repent, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. And aren't you so glad that when we ask God to forgive us of our sins, he not only forgives us, but he takes away all the consequences too, doesn't he? 
I was waiting to see if you guys were paying attention. You know, it's interesting because God will forgive anyone who's repentant. And sometimes he does take away or minimize the consequences, but most of the time he doesn't. That's a different topic, but let's spend a minute there. Why does not God not just remove the consequences? Why did he say, oh, you're my son, you're my daughter, you're really sorry, I can tell you are, so I forgive you, and I'm going to take away all the consequences from your sin. Why doesn't he do that? If he does that, what? Yeah, if there's no consequences to sin, it'd be so easy to repeat. You know, that's probably a third of the problems of parenting, right? <laughs> if parents parents don't deal with the consequences of what their children do, children do and they let them get away with it and, and all that kind of stuff, they're just going to repeat it. Okay, so that's one good reason. Yeah, Chris. Yeah, God is a good, good father, as the song says, which is based on Scripture. Good parents discipline. In fact, that's going to be a point a little bit later. Uh, in fact, number three, we're going to get to that. God disciplines us when we need it. Okay. Yeah. Exactly. Paul's a great example. You know, he sinned terribly against God's people and against God himself. God forgave him, but he had a lot of consequences in his life. You know, you see David. God forgave David. But the consequences of his sin on his family were horrendous. You know, Carissa, were you going to say something? David? Yeah, he's a good example of that. You know, there, there can be any number of reasons why God doesn't eliminate the consequences. But one of the main ones is to help us to grow, to mature. He's a loving father. He's going to discipline his children. It's good for us. We don't like it, but it's good for us. Okay? That's true. You can make all kinds of choices, but you can't choose the consequences. You know, you can choose what you're going to do or what you're not going to do, but once you made that choice, the consequences are there. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. If you break the law in any way, if you kill somebody, you know, God's put the governmental authorities in place to punish those who do wrong. You can be forgiven, but there's the consequences. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's true. So the consequences of our choices, the consequences of our sin, but, you know, we can suffer from consequences of things that we do that are not sin, okay? The consequences of our carelessness, stupidity, or lack of wisdom, okay? I love this quote. I've shared it before. Somebody says, everything happens for a reason. Have you ever heard that before? Maybe you even said it. And there's truth to that. But the quote goes on. The quote, quote I like goes on. It says, everything happens for a reason. Sometimes the reason is you're stupid and make bad decisions. <laughs> Often people use that to say, Everything happens for a reason, so no matter what happens, there's going to be some good that comes out of it. And there can be good come out of it. We're going to deal with that yet tonight, too. God can bring good out of it. But sometimes things happen, and they're not good, and it's because we've been stupid to just be blunt, okay? Um, to be not so blunt, it's just we've been careless, or we've not used wisdom. What are some examples that are not sins, but we can do because of carelessness, stupidity, lack of wisdom that will cause us to suffer? Marissa? Driving too fast. Yes. Now, since we're supposed to obey the law of the land, if you're speeding, it's still a sin. But I, but I know what you're saying. Driving recklessly, driving carelessly, not paying attention. Yeah? What else is a good example? Leaving your door open. Yeah. Putting aside your door saying, come in and take what you want. You know, That's almost what it's like, right? Yeah, Chris. 
So in a spiritual realm, getting involved with spiritual things, whether knowingly or unknowingly, that have a negative effect on us. Yeah. Yeah. What were you going to say, Carlton? What? Poor stewardship. Yeah. Not doing well with your finances. We won't ask for any testimonies or raised hands about how many people have got themselves in a mess financially because of poor choices. Okay? I mean, I've got a couple in my list, too. You know, one of the biggest ones a long time ago. Fortunately, God let me get out of it. That salesman was really, really convincing when we bought that $2,000 vacuum sweeper 30 years ago. Fortunately, I was able to return it. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Boy, he could really talk you, talk you into just about anything. But anyway, go ahead. No, it wasn't. It was better than a rainbow. I tell you, I just... Yeah, we were youth pastors in Mesa, Arizona. This guy came by and he, he did the demonstration and everything. It's like, this is going to last forever. It's warranted forever and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So we signed up for the payment plan and everything. And after we did it, I vacuumed out the cars and all this kind of stuff. It's like, it really works really good. But it's like, we can't afford this. <laughs> Fortunately, we were able to take it back. Didn't lose anything. Glad we woke up and got some wisdom pretty quick. That pretty much that same day I returned it the next day. But, you know, sometimes buy the wrong, people buy the wrong house, the wrong car, way beyond. We all know what it's like to try to buy something beyond your means, you know, a combination of a good salesperson or just the desires of the flesh, you know. Carlton. Yeah, help me avoid the faults of my own foolishness. Yeah. You know, a, a, some health issues are things that we could actually do nothing about. We just got them. But many health issues are caused because of poor choices. And Vita says, like eating meat. <laughs> I could tell she was holding herself back from saying that. <laughs> All right. Anyway. And it's true of other unhealthy habits. There's all kinds of bad habits. You know, one of the reasons bad habits are bad habits, or at least one of them, is because they can cause you to suffer. All right. So um, God allows us to experience the consequences of our choices, whether they're sinful or not, you know, uh, it doesn't cover the whole thing, but most of the suffering in the world comes down to either mine or somebody else's sin or stupidity. Okay? Anyway, number three was mentioned earlier, um, and that is God disciplines us when we need it. God disciplines us when we need it. There are principles all through Scripture that loving parents discipline their children, not because they love to punish or inflict pain, physical, mental, emotional, whatever it might be, but because they want what's best for their children. Proverbs is full of illustrations of that. One of the greatest examples of God, especially, is in Hebrews chapter 12, um, verses 5 to 11. The writer of Hebrews says, Have you not forgotten, or have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you're left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you're illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for our good that we may share in his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful. There's the suffering. Rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. 
So a loving parent always disciplines. Can you think of examples in Scripture where God disciplined some of his children? Who? The Israelites. The Israelites as a nation. When they rebelled, God would discipline them. And you know, he, he forgave them so many times. And he treated them so much better than they deserved. You know, he would allow another nation to oppress them, to conquer them. He would send a plague or allow a plague or, or whatever. You know, he allowed them to go into captivity, but he never gave up on them, but he did discipline them. Yes, Michelle. Yeah, David was disciplined. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Carlton. Moses. What's the example you're thinking of? That's right. Moses led God's people 40 years through the wilderness. If anybody deserved a great award, it was Moses. And he had a heart for the people. There was one time God says, I'm giving up on these guys. I'll form a new nation from you, Moses. He says, no, if you're going to give up on them, give up on me too. You know, he had the heart. But in anger, one time he disobeyed God. God said, speak to the rock again and let the water. And Moses in anger struck it. And it says he struck it twice. Now, the Bible doesn't say this, but I can't help but wonder if he's thinking, okay, God told me to strike it once before, so I'm going to do it again. So he struck it, and it didn't happen. It's like, uh uh-oh. So he struck it again. (laughs) I don't know if that's the, the context or not, but he struck it, and God did not tell him to. And because of that, he was not allowed to go into the promised land. Yeah, Chris. Yeah, Nebuchadnezzar was caught up in pride, and God allowed him to kind of go mentally unstable for seven years. He acted like an animal in the field. Yeah. I think of Miriam when she rebelled against God's ordained leadership and her brother, her little brother. You know, her and Aaron both said, you know, got upset with Moses one time. Said, you're just our little brother. You think you're so hot. And so, anyway, God made Miriam have leprosy. But Moses prayed for his sister, and she was healed. After a period of time, we see in first, and that's in Numbers 12, verses 9 and 10. I got that on your note sheet there. First um, Corinthians 11, 29 to 31, it talks about how there were some people in the Corinthian church that were sick, and some had actually died because they'd had a bad attitude about taking communion. Now, it wasn't necessarily a bad attitude about communion, but their relationship with other believers, and their, it was totally all messed up. And um, they weren't getting it right. And so God allowed that to come into their, their, their body. Okay? So does this mean that if we experience hardship or sickness, that we must be doing something wrong? We must have sin in our life or a lack of faith. No. There is some teaching out there like that. I've talked about that before. Sin and a lack of faith can cause us to suffer. But it's not the only reason. I think the greatest is example. Well, I got this on your note sheet there. Um, difficulties and sickness are not always a result of sin in the sense of our sin. Okay. So we don't need to jump to conclusions. You see somebody that's suffering, don't just jump to a conclusion they must have done something wrong. I mean, unless you know the wrong they did. It's like, well, that's obvious, but I'm going to pray for them, all right? But Jesus gave an example in John chapter 9, verses 1 to 3, the man that was born blind. It says, as Jesus passed by, he saw a man blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, it was not this, that this man sinned or his parents, but the works of God might be displayed in him. Because it was a common belief back then that if you had this big major problem in your life, God had cursed you for some reason. Either you sinned or your parents did. Okay, and that's why the disciples asked the question. Let's go on to the last category here, the benefits of suffering. And this is what we cling to. If we cooperate, God will bring good from our suffering. 
If we cooperate, God will bring good from our suffering. Again, the question comes up, well, I'm really trying to serve God, so why doesn't he make my suffering a whole lot less? I know I live in a fallen world. We'll deal with that next week. But whatever kind of suffering we have, whether it's big or little, hard or or not so hard or, or whatever, we can cling to these promises that God will bring good out of it if we cooperate with him. Romans 8, 28, one of my favorite verses. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. So I said many times, this doesn't say that God thinks thinks that all things are good, but that he can bring good out of all things. Okay, Sometimes suffering is what brings the best for us. I was thinking about the fact that a loving parent allows their child to suffer in many ways. Sounds weird. But do you understand where I'm headed? What are some ways in which a loving parent will let their child suffer for their child's good? Castor oil. (laughs) I've never experienced that. I hope I never have to. All right? But, you know, in that same thing, medical things. You know, there are things that children don't want to do, don't want to eat, don't want to whatever. And the parents say, yes, you will, because it's good for you. Huh? Iodine. Okay. You know, any kind of discipline, you know, whether you're an advocate for spankings or not. And if you are an advocate for spankings, there's grounds for that. But you've got to know the difference between spankings and abuse. Abuse is wrong. It's horrific. Okay. But what I'm saying is any kind of discipline is not good. We just read about that in Hebrews. All right. It says when we go through discipline, it's not pleasant. It's like, uh, yeah, duh. You know. <laughs> All right. So any kind of discipline. What are some other ways in which parents may allow children to suffer for their own good? Norris? Okay. Vaccination, injection, or some other medical treatment. I remember hearing um, some famous preacher, it might have been Craig Groeschel, it might not be, it may be a different one, but they were talking about this whole idea of suffering, and they said they remembered one time that their child, I don't know if they'd broken a bone or something, or maybe they had a cut, they took him to the doctor, the child was too young to really understand, and they had to be sewn up, or something really painful had to be done to either save that child's life or to get them, but the child couldn't understand, and it was either him hold the child or a stranger. And he says, I'll hold my child. And that child probably thought his parent was being so horrific to him, and it was because of the love of the parent to hold that child to get that medical treatment. You know, um, We may not think of it as suffering, but anytime we make our children do their homework, we're making them suffer for their own good. If you're of the philosophy of which I am, and if you have a different one, that's between you and your household. And that is that my philosophy is that children growing up should learn how to do chores. They should learn how to do things around the house, you know, and that's suffering, but it's for their own good. I remember when I was a youth pastor, another story from when I was a youth pastor, I remember invite, being invited over to the house of one of the families where the girls were in our youth group it was way back a long time ago. And we went in, and we had a nice meal with them. The house was beautiful and everything. And then one of the teenage girls wanted to show us their room. And so we all kind of went and looked at her room. It looked like a tornado had hit it. And it's like, oh, my. We didn't say anything. But her mother said, you know, I believe that, you know, when she grows up, she's going to be a wife. She's going to have to cook and clean and all that kind of stuff. So I don't make her do anything right now. And I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, God help her husband. Because <laughs> if she doesn't learn to do it now... She's not going to do it or not do it very well then, you know, but that was their philosophy. So, yeah, yeah. 
But you know, there's all kinds of examples of how suffering can lead to a good result. A very simple one we've heard many times. You know, a child reaches up to touch the hot burner. We can keep smacking their hand away, and that, that is probably a wise thing to do, especially when they're really young. But the, they touch that hot burner, they're going to suffer, but they're going to learn something, you know? Um, you know, you think about, again, a medical situation. I think of Margaret, recently had to have her leg amputated. They've been talking about it for years because of a physical condition she had. The doctor said, you really need to have your leg amputated. She waited as long as she could. I don't blame her for that at all. But it finally got to the point, it's like, you've got to have your leg amputated or you're going to lose your life. Losing a leg is suffering. But the good result is that it prolongs your life. You know, anytime there's a surgery to remove a cancer, you know, um, to remove an appendix like Lisa almost faced, it's suffering. But there's a good result to it. And that's true in the spiritual realm, too. And the th- what? You, yes, you can, Norris. You've had, what, 20 surgeries in the last three years? <laughs> a lot. Seven in the last several years. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, we've got to realize, too, that God as a parent is not just looking at the physical. In fact, to him, the physical is important, but the spiritual is even more important. There are times that God will let us go through any different kinds of suffering. It's like, God, why? And it's because he knows the effect it's going to have on our lives, you know, if we come to him and and work with him. Vita, did you want to say something? Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, Elijah. I think of Paul and his thorn in the flesh. We don't even know what his thorn in the flesh was. It seems to be a physical thing. We don't know that 100%. But it was the enemy coming against him, and he prayed, God, take it away. And God says, nope, there's a purpose for it. But that's okay, because my grace will be sufficient to help you through. And that could be true for us sometimes, too. Because, again, the spiritual is more important than the physical, and the eternal is more important than the temporary. There are people that suffer tremendously their entire life. But eternally, they'll reap the benefits. I think of somebody like um, Johnny Erickson Tata. You know who she is? She's pretty famous, you know, teenager, dove off a cliff, broke her neck, and been paralyzed her entire life, prayed so long that God would heal her, and God chose not to. And uh, the things that, you know, she even testifies that, I'm so glad God didn't. The things that God has done in her and through her, and I can't even imagine the rewards she'll get in heaven, you know. So what are some good things that God can bring about through difficulty and suffering? Two main things. I'm just going to give them to you real quickly. We're not going to read the scriptures. You can study it on your own. But number one is maturity. James 1, verses 2 to 4, 1 Peter 1, 5 to 7, talks specifically about how our suffering can help us to mature. Okay? Um, A good example is that difficulty is what produces gold, diamonds, and butterflies. Uh, I don't know if you know this or not, but if a caterpillar spins a cocoon and is in that and it has to break out of that cocoon to become a beautiful butterfly, if you do something to help it get out, it will never be able to fly. It has to go through that struggle to be able to fly. You know, diamonds are caused by pressure, by stress on coal, you know. So um, maturity, no, that old saying, no pain, no gain. Not only maturity, but number two, ministry. Ministry, 2 Corinthians 1, verses 3 to 6, says that God is, our, is the God of our comfort. He's there for us when we're going through stuff. But one of the things that he brings out of that is that whatever we go through, that makes us even better able to minister to other people. You know, if you're hurting in some area, 
You can go talk to somebody that has all the answers scripturally, and that can be very helpful. Don't ever feel like God can't use you because you've not been through what somebody else has been through because the devil wants to hold you back. But if it's an area you've been through, you have even greater authority and greater effectiveness at trying to minister to people. You know, if you've been through a cancer thing and somebody else is going through it and you can say, hey, listen, I've been through this and God did this, whatever, you know, you've been through temptation, you've been through whatever area of suffering, God can really use you. All right. There's an old saying, I like this, God never wastes a hurt. But we have to make a choice. We can either fight against God's purposes or we can cooperate. You probably heard this, you can be better or bitter. All right. Now, there's a promise in God's word that he will never give us more than we can handle with his help. If you say that first part, it's not true. God will never give us more than we can handle. That's not true. But he'll never give us more than we can handle with his help. And he's promised to help us. So, real quickly, I have to read this to you because we're out of time. What can we do to make sure we get benefit out of our suffering? Well, when we're suffering, we should look, we should look at our life. We should ask God, God, what are you trying to do? What are you trying to teach me? You know? rejoice in the fact that God's doing something in your life. If there's sin, deal with it. You know, choose to cooperate with God instead of fight against him. Pray for release. Pray for strength. Pray for healing. Trust that God knows what's best and look at his long-term, long-range plan. To wrap this all up, the good news is one day all suffering will be eliminated. As I was finishing up my preparation for this, I just did a search online. Just the question, why do bad things happen to good people and this uh, article from Christianity Today popped up by a guy by the name of Michael Corrin. It was written a number of years ago, and I thought, I'm just going to read this. I already had my notes done. I thought, maybe I'll come up with something fresh, something, something I wouldn't come up with. And I did a quote. I love this quote. He said this, Faith in Jesus Christ does not guarantee a good life, but a perfect eternity. Yeah. Revelation 21, verses 3 to 4. It says, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. When we live in this world, we will suffer. And Jesus promised, in this world you'll have trouble, but I've overcome the world. And we're all going to get there someday. It'll all be over. So let's pray. Father, thank you for the time that we've had together tonight to take a look at why there's so much bad and evil in the world. And Lord, we realize it's because of sin, whether it's our own or somebody else's or all the way back to Adam and Eve. But Lord, I know that each of us have wrestled with why is it happening to me? Why is it happening now? Why is it so bad when I'm trying so hard to be good? I pray that the truths of your word would just bring encouragement and strength to each of us. Lord, I pray specifically tonight for those that are here and those who may be listening to this recording, Lord God, that are suffering right now, maybe struggling with this issue, Lord. Just comfort them and strengthen them. We pray for healing. We pray for deliverance. We pray that whatever the suffering is, that it be gone in Jesus' name. But if you choose to allow it to linger for a short time or all the way until the time we come into your presence, I thank you, Lord, that it will end. And that you are at work in that situation. Help us, Lord God, to cooperate with you. To see the good that can come out of it. Help us to grow and mature, Lord Jesus. And God, I pray you'd help us to look beyond our suffering. To say, God, use the suffering that's in my life so that I can help somebody else. And open those doors. God, we thank you and praise you that Jesus took care of sin and its consequences on the cross. And that whatever we have to suffer in this life, Lord, it's only temporary. 
And Lord, we look forward to that day when you remove all of it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed listening to today's message or Bible study. For more information, please contact us at area code 352-347-3001 or visit us online. If you are interested in supporting this ministry, go to our website and click on the online giving tab. Our website address is www.marionoaksag.org. 